Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Grivy, here for a brief little introduction and some business before today's very special episode. Guys, it's official. Your friends here at the Film Alchemist. We have a Patreon page and account now. That's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Guys, it's the best way to help us grow the show. It's also the best way to make sure that we're giving you the show that you desire. Exactly the show that you desire. Uh, for as little as $1 a month, guys, you can you can dip in, right? Taste the waters. See if they, uh, they fit your, your vibe. See what we're working on. Meet some of our awesome community. You'll get a vote on bonus episodes. A lot of fun stuff over there. Um, and as you go up the rankings, you will actually get to pick the specific movies that you want us to cover. So, guys, again, that's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. It means the world to us uh, that some of you are supporting us. Thank you from the bottom of our black hearts. And for those of you who are about to, thank you as well. Patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. One more time. Guys, please go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist. You can see video versions of most of our podcasts there, as well as some other cool content that we've been working on, always crafting new ideas. That's us in the lab, mixing and dabbling. Uh, make sure to leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. And we are on all the social media that you're on. We're very easy to get a hold of, and we love hearing from you guys so do it do it oh right enough of that you guys didn't come here for business you didn't come here for that this is october the october mega marathon we do every year because we we're gluttons for punishment to be honest but we love horror movies so much it's one of our great treats one of the best things about doing 31 podcasts in 31 days is that we get a chance to talk with a lot of our friends and uh, new people that love horror films as much as we do. Today, returning to the show, Ivo Trees Littles. Um, I found Ivo Trees through her YouTube channel, Horror Movies and Beyond. What I love most about Ivo Trees is she, she has this almost explosive love for everything horror. It's very personal for her. When she talks about horror films, she has this enormous, beautiful smile, you can feel you can feel the energy crackling around her, right? It's it's contagious. And as she talks about how much these movies mean to her on the screen in her own personal life, you just can't help but smile and be reminded of why we love this stuff so much, right? A lot of people look at us and are like it's so grotesque and horrible and bad things happen. Ivo Trees is one of my favorite reminders about what horror means to all of us and that it comes from this deep deep place of love and she's fantastic. We thank her for making the time. Again, Horror Movies and Beyond is her YouTube page. I'll have all of her details in the show notes uh, and information. So make sure you go find Ivo Trees. Tonight, we are actually talking about the 80s classic, Fright Night. It's an awesome movie. It's, a, it's an homage to the horror films of the past with all the fun modern trappings of an 80s horror film. And Ivo Trees had some great stories about this movie. She had a great pick. We love Fright Night. We love Ivo Trees. Guys, again, go find her. Go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod to help us out and join our community. More than anything, guys, enjoy. Guys, welcome back uh, to our Horror October Marathon. Today is a very special day. We are joined again <laughs> by our friend Ivo Trees Little has been nice enough to grace us with her presence again for another delightful horror movie. Uh, before we get started here, would you like to introduce yourself and let everyone know uh, what you're working on and where they can find it? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> What am I supposed to say? I don't know. I'm so shy. No. Okay. Hi. <laughs> I'm Ivory Trees. <laughs> Littles, I have a show, Horror Movies and Beyond. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, uh, Instagram, and Twitter, and um, probably TikTok. But I'm not under Horror Movies and Beyond on TikTok. So that it's weird. I know. It, that one's <laughs> called I Am Ivory Trees. <laughs> um, 
And, a and I'm currently working on a new paranormal, une like unexplained supernatural show that will be coming out in September. Awesome. So, Can't wait for that. Yeah, I actually found your uh, YouTube channel first. Is how I found you and first invited you on because I love your stuff over there. So, guys, we'll make sure all that's in the show notes and details. Make sure you go subscribe everywhere and follow Ivo Trees' work. Um, you actually brought one of my favorite horror movies this month. Uh, would you like to tell everyone what movie you selected and why uh, this movie? Fright Night? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Na Ooh. 1985, not the mm. remake. Oh, so I, I watched it. Be very guys. specific. Really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, kidding. no, you're going to laugh about totally this, uh, Ivo Trees, but we, uh, on our Patreon, right, people can vote on what extra movie they wanted us to cover. And I put the Wicker Man, and some guy goes, the Nicolas Cage one? And I was like, how dare you? Tell <laughs> 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 me, it wasn't some guy. I was the one who said it. I'm like, you, you were the sure. one? Oh, my God. I, I, didn't I even told know you, that. you got to make sure that nobody wants us to watch the Nicolas Cage one. I thought it was safe to assume that everyone wanted not Nicolas Cage. But anyway, same goes with Fright Night. I thought it was safe to assume that the 85 <laughs> Fright Night is where we all look. And actually, I love Fright Night, too, also. But that's neither here nor there. Um, Ivo Trees, what about this movie? Uh, do you love so much? I love it. I, I really enjoy this film because it's ageless. You know, when I watched it again, I watched it several times years ago, but watching it again just made me realize it, it's, it's kind of, it, it doesn't age. Like, even though you know it's 85, but their clothes and stuff doesn't specifically say 85 because it was mm. very bright and colorful during that time, but it it's kind of like toned down monotone almost mm. throughout the film and it's very simple concept you know this kid um he you know he sees something across the street and he's trying to investigate and he finds out that it may be some kind of vampire and he's trying to get people to believe him and then the vampire trying to kill them and they're trying to survive and mm -hmm. so i mean it's so simple but it was such a fun film but it was very taken very seriously, it, even though it's a comedy horror, but it's not so much comedy. It's more yeah. serious. Yeah, I think what struck like leapt out at me today, right, is why this one was so interesting is I remember when I found it, right, it was in this and uh, Roddy McDowell's character mentions it, right, when he gets fired from the network and he's like, everyone just wants a madman killing virgins, right? <laughs> and this was a movie in the midst of this onslaught, this deluge of slasher films, right? This one came back, came back, and to your point, it has this this very universal, actual Universal Studios vibe, right? This is a classic vampire tale, but it has kind of all the fun of almost like a John Hughes 80s teen comedy. So it's mm -hmm. just this, it really gets the best of both genres. Alex, uh, what did you make of Fright Night this time? This time watching it, I fucking loved it. I actually yeah. remember watching this in college and being like, why? This isn't for me. I don't know what it was. Like, it might have been just like the night. Maybe I was drunk. Maybe I was just like, I'm clearly, I'm going to go watch Terrence Malick in my dorm room. I don't remember what film it was. Film student stuff, gross. But yeah, it was some really douchey <laughs> film student excuse. But watching it today, and I've watched it a couple of times since then, but like watching it today, um, man. It is awesome. Like there is very few <laughs> things that are this cool. And especially like especially of this ilk in the eighties, like first off, it's just like an incredible vampire story. Like mm -hmm. that is probably the like chief amongst them, like that is my favorite part. Uh Chris Sarandon is terrifying. Like there is absolutely nothing more yes. terrifying than just like that raw intensity throughout the entire movie, including when he's just like just sex dancing all over that mom. My God. There, it there's is a sex. lot going. And this is the weird thing. And I have a trees. I'd like to get your opinion on this. I think this is such <laughs> a weird casting, right? Like Chris Sarandon just does not feel like the guy you would have thought of to cast as this vampire. Yet. I think it's that little off kilterness of him. He delivers one of my favorite movie vampires, right? Like he just mm -hmm. doesn't seem like the guy but then his performance is so startling. What did, what did uh, you think of Chris Sarandon in this movie? Oh, I thought he was hot. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Dude, he is. When I, he is. Okay, because 
Okay, when I saw this film, how old was I? I was probably nine, mm-hmm. ten, something like that. When I first saw the film, probably younger. I'm not sure. But anyway, so I was around that age when I saw the film. And for some reason, he wasn't like those scary vampires, you know, where they just looked scary all the time. Um, he was very, uh, he had this sexy, charming vibe about him and it, it, it which lure you that was his way of capturing whatever victims uh mostly female uh and and so watching this as a kid i just i just thought man i wish i was amy like i wish i was amy <laughs> when she was dead when they were in that club and the right. way he was moving on her and and just looking Oof. at her and just, it is sexiness was just i mean it was like they were the only ones in the room yeah that shit is sex on a stick man yeah and but then you have to remember like she was a teen and he was probably 300 years old yeah right it's like she vaguely looks like a painting this is fine you're like what (laughs) so but but it was different times back then um that movie couldn't it couldn't be made now um because people would think that's bad <laughs> but but then again he was a creature i mean mm-hmm. just the the way he looked it, it just it was like his mask and he used that to get into the homes to get whatever he wanted so yeah it was very uh, i i i met him actually a year and a half ago what and yeah he was at monster palooza and I, and it was the funniest, okay, because he was my first creature of the night crush. I had a crush on him. Oh my God. So when I went to, when he was showing up in Monster Palooza, I was like, he's the first one I want to go over. And yeah. I tried to interview him for my show, but his agent was like, no, he didn't say no, but his, his manager or whatever. His I was Renfield, like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and and I was just like, oh. But then again, I was wearing a Ghostbuster outfit with my boobs kind of <laughs> like all the way out almost. And so when I leaned over towards him, because I waited in line, <laughs> and I was going to get an autograph anyway in a picture. So it, you know, it, it didn't matter. I was like, Doesn't oh matter. my god. So when I came, when he was in front of me, oh my gosh, I just feel so like embarrassed, but. But finally, I made my way in front of him. And this was after I asked and he, the manager said no. So I was like, eh, it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to get a picture. But next to him was Tom Holland. Tom Holland had his booth right next to him. Awesome. So I already interviewed Tom Holland. Um, but I was determined to get a picture with uh, Chris Sarandis. So when I leaped over towards him, <laughs> And I was like, I would love to get an autograph. And, <laughs> and he was looking at me and he was like, yes. <laughs> awesome. And I mean, they were full blown cleavage. And because I knew it was him, I was like, I told him I had a childhood crush on you. I kept telling him that. And he was just smiling. <laughs> so I finally took a picture. He put his arm around me. I was like, it is the weird thing, though. I bet you're not the only one, though, right? Like, I bet. Oh my that, god, that line yeah. was full of women. I mean, yeah, but absolutely, you know, man. He is because when you watch these films and you never see them in person, and you go and see them at these cons, you're you're you expect to see him as Jerry Dandridge, like yeah. But even you know, but then when you see him, it's like oh, he's he's a much older guy, but he was like. He aged wine, like wine. <laughs> he, aged, <laughs> he aged well, and yes. he was just smiling like a fine and very. Wine. That was good. Yeah, yeah. He's he he was very welcoming. Um, but then you know you hear other people, but I don't know. Maybe it was my my cleavage. I don't know. Maybe he just couldn't resist. Well, maybe he'll hear this show and he can weigh in officially. <laughs> I know. But no, I mean, yeah. there is, I think you hit on something, though, that really works with him, right? Because, again, I just don't see him as a vampire when I thought of him in his acting career. Well, he played horror before. 
Yeah, like, but like when he's, he's a detective in Child's Play, yeah. right? You're like, that's exactly no, no, how was, I see him, right? He was a demonic. He played in Resurrection. I don't know if you yes. ever heard of that film. Yeah. So, and even in that film, he was like disgusting and nasty, and I didn't find him appealing at all. But yeah. in this one, I was like, yes, you could bite me. Yes. Right. Well, there's a weird because that's what he does well in this movie, right? There's the scene when he finally is like seducing Amy. And it is this almost like orgasmic scene, right? The scene feels <laughs> like it lasts five minutes before he bites her. Like he even pulls back a couple times. And when he finally bites her, you're just like flopping back <laughs> in your couch, like, oh God, that was a lot, right? You're breathing heavy shit. <laughs> and then you imagine you pair it with this, you know, horny teenage boy story next door, right? Like a classic kind of eighties teen comedy trope. And he's watching her the first time he sees the vampire, right? He thinks he's just staring at some lady undressing, right? Which mm -hmm. is kind of a creepy thing that just, you know, used to happen in movies a lot anyways. <laughs> and he thinks that's what he's watching. And then you add the vampire fangs, right? So you're just hitting this kid <laughs> on all of these, like, wish fulfillment fantasies. It's a really strange kind of hate and jealousy mix with that. And Chris Sarandon just owns this movie and that everyone who sees him just seems totally enamored with him. And that, that's what I always think is the fun thing about Vampire. They're the one monster that you almost want to give in to, right? What did, you, what did you make of that, Alex? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, for a, for a villain who pulls off a sweater-turtleneck combo, I got to say. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, it's hard to make that work. Is hard. It's as hard to did. make that work, but man, he pulls it off. Also, being the only vampire named Jerry and certainly being threatening is pretty impressive too. No, um, couldn't even yeah, get a count like, in there, dude. Just Jerry. <laughs> I am yes. Jerry from State Farm. <laughs> I am Jerry Dandridge. C Dan Jerry Dandridge, vampire CPA. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's all no, um, it's a really. It's hard. I think it's really difficult to. Especially in movies like this, like this is, like you're saying, it's supposed to be a comedy. And there's like, it's not really, but Ivochi said the thing that I think is most important, which is like, everybody's playing it straight. Like, it does a really good job of doing these comedic beats in a certain way, but like, everyone in the movie is playing it like a straight horror movie. And that, I think, is what makes the comedy actually work, but more importantly, uh, all of the horror becomes that much more interesting, that much more intriguing. Like, it's not other horror comedies we've watched this month. It's not other horror comedies. It's, it, it's, I think it's almost miscategorized. I don't find a whole lot of this movie very funny, to be honest with you. Like the right. top is, yeah, there's a lot of Hughesian and shit going on, but like past that, it's not, it's not like monster squad, you know, it's like not monster like an squad, idle hands or something idle like hands, that. Any right? of that yeah. Shit. yeah, no. Well, I think what you hit on is what I really love most about the movie. Right. Is that all the characters have these really good, human beats right so even though they're playing like you know the old tv actor who's on his way out he has this really relatable and emotional arc right of this man who feels like he has no place anymore and he's not who he wants to be and, and even ed right evil was driving me nuts at the start of the movie <laughs> i was like if he could just not talk and laugh for the rest of the movie that'd be great but then you get to that scene in the alley and he's just like i know what it's like to be different and to be bullied and they won't they won't do that to you anymore. And you're like, fuck yeah. Like, I want him to, like, now become this, like, powerful vampire and not be bullied anymore. And every character has some nice little beat like that that just adds so much depth to the terror of this movie. Um, What did you think about about how they use these uh, emotionally deepening qualities, Ivo Trees, in these characters? Um, I think Tom Holland... Um the director time holland he did a really really good job and and he wrote this movie with such precision and detail and you could tell he carefully i mean carefully wanted each character to be loved or hate or understood mm -hmm. and gave them such character arcs because some a lot well not some but a lot of films it's like the main stars like has all the arcs and situations but each one of them um had a purpose even the mom had a purpose and it took him a, you know a couple of years tom holland a couple of years to write this and this was his first feature film where he directed and um he 
he wanted to send out a love story to horror mm-hmm. and um wow. and he just choose vampires you know because it's it, it it was popular i mean you had lost boys you know yeah. like everything <laughs> was around vampires you know near dark and all that stuff so it was it was the thing and for him i think he was lucky because the studio just didn't care what he was doing because horror wasn't like the main focus in the 80s even though there was out there they gave them money um you know they brought in money but they were always focused on the dramas the suspense the action Mm-hmm. and um the horror was just like oh we just made some extra dollars and so for yeah. him um they were so busy you know with the romantic comedies and stuff like that um the studio he was with that they kind of left him alone so he was um like at his own device like he yeah. <laughs> you know he didn't have the pressure of the studio this got to be this way take this out so i think that's why it feels so authentic um also um he really wanted to make something real because it was his first feature film as a director so when he was giving the, the entire crew probably 90% of the crew that he was working with came from ghostbusters so all the most of the special effects and everything was made by the people who did the ghostbusters oh wow yeah so that's why the the special effects of the time was actually really good because he already had a really great team all he oh, had yeah. to do was tell the actors what to do and where to go and everybody else was already, you know, mature and with with their their talents and stuff like that. So he was lucky, <laughs> very very lucky. And then you know, then we got Child's Play that came after that. Yes. So reuniting um, with Chris, Chris Sarandon again, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that's what they did back then. Um, uh, some now but back then they used to use the same actors and crew because it it was easy it was easier than looking for someone and you they know how you work yes me and alex have been on sets together and i think i always heard a producer who told me this once he's like mostly i just hire people that i can tolerate being around for 16 hours a day (laughs) and it there is a big but i i love when directors use the same actors but i think it's this really nice like the way you said that is he wanted to write a love letter to horror that is such a nice sentiment because that's honestly as soon as you said it it clicked it's like yes that's what i love about fright night it is this absolute just reaffirming of all the stuff i like and i mean those practical effects like even today i was like that is still just top-notch work like some of it you liked when you're a kid and you're like you see it older you're like yeah like this stuff is still unbelievably good I'm so, uh, what were you going to say about that, Alex? Oh, no, I was actually I was also going to say, yeah, the effects are just like they're still just so impactful. Like, yeah, there can there can always be those ones that don't age well. But this one is far and away one of the cooler ones. Like I love like e- the evil Ed death is fucking hell. Well, kind of death. Kind, kind of, of sorry yeah. yeah well yeah there's always that but <laughs> it's for 1985 but yeah like the uh i mean that's another mature decision he made always leave room for the sequel yeah <laughs> it's such a cool i mean it's just such great effects that the um i mean billy melting like all that stuff is just so cool like i love i love all the effects it's like yeah, yeah even chris sarandon's makeup and i actually read online that um he, they had him sitting in the chair for like I think like eight hours one day putting on makeup, and they ended up not shooting his scene. And apparently he was like, "Okay," and like got back in the chair for him to take everything off. And the actor <laughs> told the show, "He's like, I think I would have killed someone." Like he Jesus. was just like, "It's fine." Well, he used it when it with his rage of humans, right? <laughs> when he's like breaking the house with his elbows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he also, um, he was also a very good sport about like being in the chair. He actually helped. Like he actually helped doing the makeup. Really? Like whatever oh they gosh. need help. Like if they like he didn't do it, but right. he didn't do it completely. But like, oh, can you hold this? And oh, yeah, let right. me do this. <laughs> you know, let me put it on my hands. Um, that that's the story I got from Tom Holland. 
That's awesome. So I'm just uh, yeah. I mean, like, there's nothing yeah. like that's gonna make it go faster. And so to just yeah. hear an actor who's just like, yeah, I'm just not gonna make this worse for everyone. Is very yeah. endearing. It's cool that but, like he's a sport and he clearly like to be that way too. Clearly, you love the material and like there's yeah. no way you're not gonna love this and like what a cool I, again like what a cool part for Chris Sarandon to play like it's just yeah. not a guy you would ever see really. I mean, he might have had some bona fides, but like I don't know. I that's not the first person I would have imagined cast in this role, especially not in 1985. Yeah. Well, speaking really of that, actually, I think the star of the movie that you would not expect to be in this movie is Roddy McDowell. I actually would have cast Roddy McDowell before. Sure, but I'm just saying his performance in this, I think is this real, because the movie starts off as one thing, right? It's kind of a teen comedy almost. Mm -hmm. And once we meet Roddy McDowell, the movie shifts dramatically, right? He becomes this, you know, guy who, as Chris Sarandon says later, you have to have faith to challenge me, right? This is a man who's just lost face in everything. And to get an actor of Roddy McDowell's caliber to be in this movie almost is this, it's a very biographical role, it feels like, right? This older actor who's now doing a horror movie, which to Ivo Trees' point, that was what they would make and just put them on VHS and yeah. get what you get, right? Like these were, or if you made a little bit, you know, on a dead weekend at the box office, that was great. And so there's something so real and palpable. And I love to that they didn't reduce Roddy McDowell to just being this ultra heroic guy. He's very fucking scared and timid and runs like a real human would. And I just, every time I feel maybe it's, I'm getting older too, but every time I rewatch this movie, he is the thing that most sticks out in my mind. Uh, Ivo trees. What did you take away from Roddy McDowell in this movie? Um, like you said, he, he, he didn't seem like this big heroic guy. He just seemed like he was just, you know, doing, he was at the studio doing his job as some kind of vampire hunter on a weekend with late night show. And someone, you know, <laughs> we got Charlie asking for help and he's like, okay, let me prove this guy wrong. And this whole time he was very nonchalant about it. Um, like, uh, you know, I want to do it for you thinking the kid's crazy. They want to play around until he actually come across, you know, a situation where, okay, it's a joke, but then he just like opens up a compact or something like that <laughs> and, you know, and didn't see a reflection and was like completely freaked out. And I love that he ran like he was out of there. He didn't give yeah. it no chance. Um, and I liked the way he looked. Um, it was just funny to see that they made his hair like somewhat gray, look like spray paint. <laughs> yeah, gray. I love that. <laughs> but I, I it, but it, I think that was on, you know, I think that's on purpose. You know, it's it still oh, has yeah. that comedic aspect because he is a tv show host you gotta like the that. lowest tier tv no yeah. I, like yeah. that. I like that sort of knowing that happens with yeah. him because yeah everyone knows he's like yeah i, I grew up watching uh Gilardi, so it's one of those things where you're like yeah i get it like these guys are all and just he, sort of their same yeah, thing and he played it very well i mean him as the actor um he started acting in 1938 and that is when, you know, talkies was really became popular, um, you know, from 1929 when they started like really talking. And then you got the 30s where everything was just like so important now as far as like the film industry, because now people can hear. And so he was at the prime of that point. But his whole life, he done a lot of voiceovers. I mean, this guy, I mean, he has over 200 plus films under his belt he was yeah. no joke so when he did peter vincent it became so natural yeah like you he wasn't like some guy they just got he knew what he was doing and then i think oh, no. that also have to pay you know that respects to tom holland yeah this is his first feature film but he wrote a lot of movies mm-hmm. um up to this point but then again he had such a great cast and crew that helped him along as well as he knew what he wanted them to, to do, how to perform, how to act, how to look. Um, so I think that's why this film and his character, you know, him as Peter Vincent was just like spot on. Yeah. 
Well, he has this awesome costume. Where even his name is like Vincent Price, Peter Cushing, like all these yeah. kind of like throwbacks, right? But there's just this immense, he almost becomes this character that just absorbs all of the attention in every scene, which is really <laughs> strange considering the characters that we're surrounded by and Chris Sarandon just pouring sex at us the whole movie. And <laughs> But when he's on, you just, you're just like, you find this just unbelievably talented actor. And he just always has these kind of like watery eyes trying to play stoic and, but he's getting evicted and they're like, a kid's going to die. And he's like, no, 500 bucks. Okay. And like, there's just <laughs> something so, I mean, it's, it's just this really cool role. Cause at the end he becomes the character that he always played. Yeah. But watching that, this guy just be so little and diminished is, is it just, it's such an amazing thing to find in the middle of this movie. Right, because yeah. it feels like if it, a lesser, more unsure director and writer, you would just make him, all right, let's go, right? Like, we're going to go kill vampire. I think there's something so emotionally poignant about that. And I think that's something Tom Holland found across the board, right, is this everyone feels like a monster in a way, right? Or they're hiding some secret. And that just plays so perfect in a vampire movie. It, it really does. I mean, he just... He always blows me away in this movie. I mean, the effects are probably what you remember the most, right? The horrifying vampire faces. And honestly, the scene, like you were saying, Ed's werewolf untransformation. Yeah. But even transformation. Yeah, whatever that. I mean, the effects are great, but you know what make the effects even better is watching Roddy McDowell have this real emotion like, holy fuck, I just killed a kid. And, like, mm-hmm. taking in the gravity of this this is real. There's a vampire and a werewolf, and, oh, now he's a teenage boy. Yeah. I mean, it's just this perfect blending. Like, to your point, it's he just had so many talented people, and it's one of those movies where it just feels like everyone's pulling in the same direction. And this movie just becomes so much more than you would imagine. Yeah. I think uh, each character... Um, play a very important part not just in the film but just people like what you would experience I mean if you want to would go down the list from you know from Billy Jerry Amy Evil Ed and uh, Charlie each one of those people characters um, bring something really important to the table in a very emotional way that I think, because then you have um, Amy who is unsure, she, you know, does she want to sleep with him? Does she not? She, you know, they've been together for a year. Um, the pressure of being a girlfriend, being attractive, you know, because she's, she's not, you know, the typical girl. And you saw that when she was sitting there on the bed with a bra and she looked at herself and was just like, okay, I I don't look like the normal, you know, the typical blonde, she's not blonde or whatever. Um, So you could tell she has, you know, some, a complex about herself and what she want in the relationship. And she's trying to get um, Charlie to pay attention to her, but he's too busy looking <laughs> the neighbor across the street, which is all fine and stuff, but she already have a complex with herself. Yeah. And then you have Charlie is just this every kid that, you know, wants to have a beautiful girlfriend or a girlfriend that, you know, do more, but when the opportunity come, his mind is somewhere else and she's already battling that. And he is so busy and fixated on, um, finding the truth of something that he completely forgets his girlfriend. Um, then you have Evil Ed that's just getting bullied and bullied and bullied. And sometimes he gets bullied by his own best friend. So yeah. that's even tough. So when the opportunity came that, you know, that that he didn't have to be bullied and he could be tough, desperation comes in and it cost him his life, quote unquote. <laughs> And then you have, um, and then you have uh, Peter Vincent, who is this washed-up actor on a night TV show, and you know he's doing the same thing: no adventure, no nothing. And then he meets Charlie, and he's out to prove him wrong because he thinks he's just some kid playing a joke on him, and realize that he really can be heroic, and this is his chance to shine. And he's just as afraid. That's why he runs away. But um, 
then realize that he does have an opportunity and then you have jerry is his vampire that lost a, a lost love and he's stuck in the age that he is and he wears a turtleneck because you know he has bites on him and then you have billy his servant who was who was turned in some kind of way that he feed off him um that's how the they have their servants because they have to feed on him to give them life so they can live forever, but not turn him. He wasn't completely yeah. a vampire. He was more of a monster. So each one of these characters. Oh, then you have the clueless mom. <laughs> <Charlie's> mom <laughs> I love the mom. Who's so completely much. clueless of everything. But isn't that what all parents, they never know yeah. what their kids are doing. <laughs> well, that was a weird one because I was like, did she just say thanks for helping him with the homework? Wink. Like she was hoping they hooked up right just cause yeah, because she wanted him to like knows, get married and stuff yeah yeah because he she know he's a geek and he watches vampire yeah. i mean look at his room it's a mess and he got a late night i once vampire lived show. in a room just yeah. like that yeah so i mean yeah so each one of these characters we all we all can relate in some way yeah so that's why when he when tom holland wrote this he was very very careful of each character their background what are their highs and lows and why yeah. is it important and i think that's why this movie was very successful oh yeah i mean horror movies that don't take the time to make you bond or care about the characters you can't really care when they start getting that was the famous joke right is that the the hard part about the slasher genre is when we went to the theater to start cheering for jason to kill the teenagers <laughs> Instead of worrying about them, right? And this, like, even something like the mom, right? This kind of clueless mom, like, a little in on the romance, maybe. Where's the, where's her husband? Where's the dad? Where's Jerry's dad? We never know. We don't talk. It's just this, but by his omission, we're learning about her, right? The fact mm -hmm. that Ed is just called evil and that his first thought is to go confront Peter Vincent and say, you lied to me because he, there is no, you can't just stand up to the bullies and win like in his movies, right? They all have, and that, that moment with Amy that you talked about, I mean, it's a really stunning opening that you kind of slide past because they're setting up the rear window thing. But first she's like trying to kick Charlie off her. She's like, stop. And you're like, God damn, stop. Like even on your couch, you're like, she's fucking said stop 15 times. Like right. stop, Jerry, God damn. <laughs> and then, you know, then he like turns the cold shoulder and then she's like, all right, I'll relent. And yeah, like being vulnerable and afraid, you're, that's a lot that most movies like this and it's, you know, companion films of that era just skip that stuff, right? They would have just gotten to the, like, here's my boobs, right? This is what the movie's supposed yeah. to be. And I think those <laughs> extra touches across the board, I mean, it's just, what I always think about with this movie is just, it is just so memorable across so many ways. There are a lot of movies we love because of the scene, right? Or the kill or this and that in the horror community. This one just works everywhere, like every which way. The only I don't know that Jerry has a super strong kind of character. He's just like our main like heroic, like now I got to save my girlfriend that I didn't care about for the first 20 minutes kind of guy. You mean Charlie? Charlie. Charlie. You said Jerry. You're saying Jerry. Oh, I said Jerry. <laughs> like, Jerry right. is Jerry is not a hero. But Jerry <laughs> is not a hero. That's not what I meant. I was wrong. Yes. No, Charlie's just kind of like our main our main kid, right? Yeah. But you see him buy into the cuz that's one thing I love too is Chris Sarandon has this great moment when he first gets invited into his home, right? And he's going to break in. And you see that Chris Sarandon cuz the, the obvious thing is just fly in there and kill this kid. Don't go stand over the mom's bed, which is a horrifying scene, right? Yeah. And then <laughs> break her door and then hide in Charlie's room, right? He's playing with his food at this point he's loving the fact that this kid's scared right he could just make this kid disappear and no one would ever know like he could he could take away all his problems there's a there's a sickness to how he's kind of dragging this along right and so i think it's just all of these little extra touches that this movie has that i i just i can't get enough of it every time i turn it on i find something new to be enamored with yeah, I think every choice, I think you said it earlier, but like every choice to make this movie the standard fare is ignored. And that's just, that's exactly what you want in this kind of thing. Like this could be so schlocky and this could be, and that's nothing wrong with that a lot of the time. Like I love those movies too, but like this just hits so much differently and does such 
great things on its own that so often you're just like i you, you like it's it's one of these moments where you just take a step back watching the movie and you're like i can't believe this happened in 1985 like <laughs> 1985 at the height of this like really at the height of this like you were saying like yeah they're really focused on making dramas thrillers erotic thrillers like sci-fi that kind of stuff these like really these very Jesus Christ scared the shit out of me. It was my wife walking behind the camera. Um, <laughs> these, these really small. It's Jerry, run. <laughs> these really small, like eight to ten million dollar movies that were getting made at the time were so phenomenally, phenomenally, like you're saying, like undersold and underthought of. That yeah, on their own, making these like really wonderful emotional stories. That yeah, like you. You can graft onto any of these characters, even Jerry. Like, yes, Jerry's a fucking horrible, he's a vampire. Like, he's bad, he's eating people, he's killing people. But, like, long lost love, man. Everybody knows that. Yeah, like, he's there's lonely just, like, and sad, like that, decrepit old vampire, yeah. There is but, just, like, this, there, there's something that's good for everybody. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think especially in the horror community, this matters so much more, right? Because I... I I know a lot of the people I know that are in the horror community and that we, we really like this. Even people, you know, that are in a lot of these communities, uh, there is this kind of, we are outcasts, right? Like if you were the kid wearing the horror t-shirt to school, you were probably not, you know, sitting with the football team. You were off on your own or this and that. So I think there's something very special to a lot of us horror movie viewers when we see that represented on the screen, right? This, this strength from being the outsider, rather than just being someone to be mocked and ridiculed at times like other genres do. And I, I just think that's why this movie just has such a loving embrace. And by the time you get all of this awesome, awesome emotional stuff, they don't forget to go give you the, the gooey, yeah. sticky schlock in Get all right? that good stuff. Where man. you have a fucking amazing bat and monster makeup and explosions and fire and melting. And it's, it's just like, oh my god, it's everything you want, right? Like it literally is just a is checklist awesome. of every awesome thing about a horror yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. No, because it just reminded me of um some really special moments that happened, not just the film, but you know, to be this little you know, this little girl to watch this movie and um you know, just have this like super duper crush on Chris Sarandon and stuff like that and, and get to meet him was, it's just, I mean, it's hard to explain. He was just so sweet and nice. <laughs> and he, I was waiting for him to like have his fangs and stuff, but was, <laughs> no, no fangs, no Disappointment ruined. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, the special effects and in, in everything in that film was just so good. But but like I said, he, you know, Tom Holland was very lucky to have the crew from Ghostbusters to work on there. Oh yeah. And yeah. um, some speaking of the special effects, um, when when I got to see a lot of those in person, they're huge. They're it was i can't even explain how it feels to to have you know the the werewolf or wolf or whatever they used you know uh, when evil ed was changing like that bat like in the movie the bat is looks big but in person it's huge and tom holland has it on his mantle so when i oh, saw really? it on his... <laughs> that's <laughs> you amazing see what i mean <laughs> yeah, no, be, uh, because awesome. I, well, the, I interviewed him at his home. So when when I walked in and walked in his living room, he had the bat from the movie in a glass case <laughs> on a mantle, and it was like this big. Now <laughs> oh, that's a conversation like, starter. Yeah, it's like four <laughs> feet long or whatever. And I was just like, oh my god! I was like staring at it. I was like. Okay, because he didn't tell me anything. He just sat on his living room couch and just sat there with his arms folded and crossed his leg. And I was like, oh, my God, is that the bat? And yeah. then I was like, oh, my God, is that is that Chucky from the movie? Charles? I was, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, that's the werewolf or wolf from for Evil Ed. And he just was smiling and laughing. And I was like, oh, my God. But the coolest thing, Peter Vincent. Okay. Now... 
the coolest thing, I always tell this story. I don't like, bre- I, I have to tell this. I was sitting <laughs> on this couch and his wife um, brought me a box. And she, she, she said, here, it was a really nice wooden box. And she said, and she gave it to me and I sat there with it on my lap and we would continue talking before we started the interview. And then she was like, are you gonna open the box? And I was like, Wait, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to open it. And then I just kept talking and Tom Holland was like, open the box. <laughs> and so when I opened the box inside was a wooden stake and a cross. And I said, I was and in like the, I think it was the, the, the thing he used for the, the holy water. The, the holy, holy water. water. Yeah. yeah. And then like when, the I, when I, when yeah. I, cause I was staring at it and I was looking at it and it didn't click. It didn't click. And it took a second and he didn't say anything. And I was like, Oh my God, is this Peter Vincent stuff? And he was like, yeah, I was like, Oh my God. And I the, He was like, yeah. It's the wooden, <laughs> so what he used to stick and the cross he did. So awesome. But yeah, I just had to tell this. I, I just, no. I feel so lucky every time. People talk about Fright Night. I was like, look what I did. (laughs) And I'm sure, though, that he loved that because he saw that he helped create something, right? And this effects team created things that matter to people. And that's why we love your channel and invite you on is because you have this, like, uncontrollable love and joy of this stuff. Oh, can I tell one more story? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So... So I interview Mark Brian Wilson. Mark Brian Wilson did the special effects on Ghostbuster. He was he was right. a Slimer, the first Slimer. He also awesome. did the special effects on Fright Night. So when I interview him, he had a secret room and we went in there and on his mantle, he had the head of Billy. <laughs> Oh, the, nice. when, oh, when it, sli- when awesome. it slid across, it was the fangs. And I actually have a picture of me playing with it. <laughs> so I was like this. <laughs> and so, yeah, he has things from the movie Fright Night. So that was special for me. I was holding a, it was like the mold they use for the movie. So it was just like so cool. So. Awesome. <laughs> oh man that would be super to actually cool. hold the idols for fright night but that's what i mean it's like it's it's this little ability to jump into the movie that you loved right it's yeah it's very cool when that ha- i mean i've only very rarely i remember i used to i was in art department and we'd have to do pickups and one day they're like hey run to universal and pick up this order of stuff you're like cool i got off an elevator and the first thing i see it's as tall as i am right is a velociraptor and i was, and I was like oh my god and uh i that's was just kind of cool. laughing i was like that's cool and the guy's like yeah that's the one they actually use i was like what i was like that's the velociraptor and like you know poof. and when you see this stuff in real because i think that's the cool thing about a lot of these movies is it feels not real but magic right like that's a special own world right and when you see it in real life, it's just unbelievable, right? It's I I, agree. I think that's the coolest shit. I, I love when you get to see these these little artifacts, right? And this movie has so many memorable characters and moments and items that you can get excited about. I think that's why it's maintained its held over uh its hold on us for so long. Um, let's wrap this up, Alex. What are your final thoughts? What what about this movie will you uh remember the most what what do you love the most about try to condense it for me i mean for me it's remembering that i actually really loved this movie like i don't know again i i'm ashamed that college me was just like not into it because like <laughs> watching it and it's weird like watching it older like you're like this isn't right donnie alley. darko <laughs> <laughs> what no giant plane engine falling through a head. i don't understand no honestly it's it's just a movie. It really does stand the test of time. It's a very strange, like it's not a time capsule. I think that's a really important and really fascinating thing about the movie is Fright Night is not a time capsule. It's just an awesome vampire movie, man. Like, and it hits all the notes, like all the notes the entire time. So, I mean, like for a movie to just like fire on all cylinders from the open and also like kind of deceptively pull you in. I mean, yeah. what better, what better kind of movie could you want than Fright Night? 
Well, I think Ivo Trees' point is a great one, and you just hit on it too, is that this movie is ageless. It works yeah. no matter. Like when you said that earlier in the show, I was like, that's a really brilliant way to look at this. Um, Ivo Trees, same question. Just kind of summarize your love for Fright Night uh, one more time. Uh, Fright Night is a, it's a great film. It's a wonderful film. I mean, it's ageless. Any age, almost any age can watch this film. Um, it, it's, it's right. Well, just don't tell them certain things. They'll figure out. Right, yeah. They'll figure it out later. Yeah, like the mom yeah. at the start, just give them a wink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, it's a teenage vampire movie um, that is just here to stay. I mean, he, he Tom Holland wrote this film, and he he meant business, and he really, like I said earlier, it was a love letter of everything out there that he wanted to give a good performance, a great story, and that last and it and it did it still lasts and people still use it um the movie the shed yes um, that was on i mean if you watch <laughs> the shed you're looking at an homage to fright night i mean mm. it, it's just on beat but it's completely different on its own yeah. um so yeah so he it's just a great film it really is if you've never seen it please watch it if you're like oh this is crazy or not no, I don't want to look at this. I mean, just sit down and watch it and just have popcorn, get a soda, have a friend yeah. over, have a girlfriend over. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just, you'll just. Just not your neighbor, because who knows what yeah. that guy's probably. Yeah, is. not the yeah. neighbors. Not the new <laughs> not neighbors. No neighbors. <laughs> but it's just that film to just enjoy and have a good time. It yes. is the 80s, the pivotal point, 85 middle of the 80s of what it was all about yeah i think all, everything you guys said is exactly how i feel right it's just this unbelievably fun movie with a just insanely good cast but the thing is is this movie still manages while having all the fun to drive a stake through the viewer's heart right because there's yeah. real substance and depth to these characters and you really feel attached to them which I love 80s movies as much as the next, but a lot of my favorite 80s horror movies, they didn't really care that much if I related or bonded with the character, right? They were there for me. This movie is not that. Um, We just want to say thank you, Ivo Trees, for making the time. We know you're super busy. You so picked another fun. great film. Uh, would you like fun. to tell everyone one more time where they can find your stuff? Oh, me? Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> of course. Oh. Oh, okay. Uh, Our stuff's not that cool. They don't care. Um, they can find me on Instagram. Uh, just type in horror movies and beyond on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And that's where I'll be. Yes. Crazy we will stuff. make sure to link all this, too. Uh, again, thank you so much, Ivo so Trees, much uh, for joining us again this October. It is always our pleasure. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Yes, it always is. <laughs> All right, guys, you know the deal. Uh, every day this month, a new horror movie. 31 days, 31 pods because we've lost our minds. What were we but we're having fun. We're having fun with our it friends as we lose our minds. <laughs> so we'll see you tomorrow.